Chapter 17. The End of an Era. At some point during the severe persecutions that I just mentioned in the last chapter, beginning in the spring of 65 and lasting for at least three years throughout the entire empire, at some point in the year 65, Paul is once again arrested. This time, uh, it's very different than the other time. Last time when he was in prison, he was under house arrest. He had the freedom of a Roman citizen. He was not considered a criminal uh, until he was proven guilty. But this time, he's arrested as, as the leader of an illegal movement. He's a criminal. He's, he's, uh, he's guilty before he's even tried. And he's put in jail, not house arrest. And it's much, much more difficult for Paul in this in this uh, his final arrest and imprisonment uh, he's not in good conditions and he's not in good condition uh, during the same period of time uh, John the Apostle uh, moves to Ephesus he joins Timothy in the ministry there and it seems like this move of John from from more the Palestine Jerusalem region into the uh, Ephesus area exposes him more completely to what's actually going on in the worldwide church, and this inspires him to start writing. Uh, he encounters various kinds of false teaching, and we need to spend just a few moments on this issue because uh, the errors that have crept into the church at this time are errors that have stuck with uh, the church right up until today, and we combat them on, on both sides um, continually. Um, the Greek-Roman view of the world, at least a, a very popular, widespread view of the world in, in this time, was that the material world, the physical things, including the human body, is innately evil and cannot be redeemed. So the way to redemption is in the spiritual world. What you do uh, when you go to the temples and stuff like that is to is to is to uh, engage in the spiritual world in such a way that when your evil, earthly, physical uh, life is finally over, you'll enter the uh, purity of the spiritual world and be completely holy. And so this is kind of an underlying worldview that, that's just prevalent across the world at that time. And so it results in two different errors, two different errors um, within the church. The one is that if matter itself is evil, then Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could not possibly have had a physical, an actual physical body. He could not have fle have had flesh and blood. And so this, this teaching kind of at the time was that Jesus appeared and seemed real to his disciples, but it was actually just an illusion uh, so that the spiritual purity could come and speak to people in the person of Jesus Christ who never actually became flesh. The other side or the other error that comes from this worldview is that Jesus was in fact made of flesh and blood, but he was not God. He was not spiritual in that sense. And so he was a good teacher, another good prophet. And, uh, and, but, he, but he, like us, had, a, had an evil, decaying, dead body and was released from that into the spiritual realm at his death. And so salvation in either case is seen as deliverance from the physical. It doesn't matter what you do with your body. You can sin as much as you want because it's just 
it's just garbage anyways. And uh, what you do in your spiritual life uh, will, will affect what happens afterwards. And so in this view, sin doesn't exist for the Christians uh, because we're born of the Spirit and the Spirit is pure and saved and, and uh, will not be tarnished by the physical things. And again, uh, as was common in the world at this time, these teachers always came with the idea that certain specific chosen people have special spiritual insight, either through angelic visits or through visions or something. And so they can see what other people can't see. And so even if you read the Old Testament and don't see all of this in it, uh, these special teachers uh, have that, that insight and that vision. And so you follow the rituals that they produce for you and everything's going to be fine. Now, the reason I say this is still so relevant is because even up until today, every time, without exception, that there's an error that creeps in to the church that takes it off the gospel and off the true track, it always comes in one of those ways. It's always an attack on who is Jesus Christ. And it always says either that Jesus Christ is not physical, and we see that today in, in many, many people who, who make the claim that I'm I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. They're making that same distinction. What, what I do here on earth doesn't impact my spirituality. I don't have to join a physical group of people who is the body of Christ because it's all spiritual. And that's, that's just a, a, a matter of the same type of thing, uh, creeping in slowly. And then the other side is that, uh, it is, is that Jesus was either, either not human or he's not divine. And, uh, and when you split that apart in either direction, you, you get out of the area that we would call orthodox and enter uh, false teaching. So John becomes well aware. I mean, I'm sure he was aware of these things before, but as he's in the context now in Ephesus, he becomes much more well-versed in understanding how this type of thinking is, is impacting the church in many different areas. And so he decides to do some writing. In the year 65, John writes his gospel. He's in Ephesus, and he writes it to no particular audience, I think just the church in general. And John presents Jesus Christ as the heavenly, eternal, pure, sinless God. But emphatically, he emphasizes throughout his gospel, in the flesh, he's actually human. He's, he's got a physical body. And so John retells his experiences walking around Galilee and Jerusalem with Jesus in such a way as to make these two things unescapably joined together. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's his project. That's what he's doing. And, and that's so valuable even for us today. And that's why to this day when people say, well, I've never read the Bible before. What should I start? I often advise, and many others often advise, that the place to start is the Gospel of John, uh, because it, it, it's just really um, key in this, this common error that, that still uh, plagues us today. And so that's the Gospel of John. You could read it, understand how it addresses those issues, and how that affects us today. And then in the same year, uh, John writes 1 John. Now, 1 John is written from Ephesus, generally to the churches in Asia, Asia Minor. 
And while in the Gospel of John, he never directly addresses these errors, he just writes the story in such a way as to, as to be relevant to this, this, these errors. And then in his letter, 1 John, addressed to the churches in general, he specifically refutes the errors that I've just tried to describe to you. And then at the same time, or around the same time, probably in the same year, he writes 2 John. Now, 2 John is written again from Ephesus, and it's written to a local church. The church isn't named, but it's very it's a very intimate letter, heartfelt, and he warns about false teachers that he predicts will come and bring these kinds of teachings to this particular church. And so you can start to see a progression here. The gospel is kind of a general writing addressing issues that were affecting the church then and still affect the church today. 1 John is to the churches in general. 2 John is to one specific church, and then 3 John, he writes to Gaius, a specific person in a specific church. And here he, he's, uh, he commends Gaius for his work, and he warns him about these false teachers. In fact, he even gets specific and says a specific man is going to come and bring this false teaching, and this is how you should handle it. So I love that progression, and it's really valuable to read uh, read John's letter. I, I went too fast. I missed my slides. But there's First John written to all the churches. There's Second John written to. Uh, sorry, I got my slides wrong. Anyways, written to a specific church, an unnamed local church. Sorry, my editing was bad. I'm just not going to go back and redo it right now. I don't have time. But. Uh, then 3 John written to a specific person. Sorry about that. My slides are mixed up there, but but that'll do for now. Um, so that's that's the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, as we already mentioned, or as I already mentioned, uh, there's severe per persecution going on throughout this period of time. And uh, people are leaving the church or they're pretending to leave the church. So uh, these that, that's another reason why these false teachings have become so popular, because if you can justify living like the people around you instead of living separately in a church context, according to Christian ethics, then you're not going to stand out in terms of uh, being someone who's going to uh, receive this persecution. And so uh, into this context, Peter writes... First Peter, year 65 again, from Rome, probably in prison, uh, probably not with Paul, but in the similar circumstances. And he reads it, re writes First uh, Peter to the churches in northwestern Asia. And uh, Peter, always being Peter, is very direct. He's not getting sidetracked by all these philosophies and issues and stuff like that, like John was addressing. But he simply exhorts the Christians to return to Christian living whatever the cost. So very direct, as Peter is always direct, and uh, very encouraging, but also um, a letter that really uh, hits home in terms of just, you know, the kind of just do it attitude of Peter. Uh, return to proper Christian ethics and living, despite the cost. Then in the spring of 66, there's a revolt among the Jews in Jerusalem, and uh, the Romans decide that they're going to finally and forever end the Jewish problem. And what I mean by the Jewish problem is that that the Jews had, had uh, from before even the time of Jesus, 
continually been an issue for the Romans. The, the Jewish people and then both the Jewish Christians and non-Christians just would never accept Caesar as a god. They would never worship the Roman Empire. And so uh, little uprisings just always were popping up among the Jewish people. And so uh, when this uprising happened in 66, the Jews were saying, we're going to get the Romans out of Jerusalem, out of the temple, out of Palestine. The Romans had the opposite opinion and they put the full force against it. Four years, the war raged throughout Palestine. It was horrific in every way, just as Jesus had predicted it would be. And the Christians leave. The Christians just get out of there and they spread out. If you have got a relative in some other city, you go join the church there and, and, and uh, during this period of time. And um, and so uh, that's having a big impact. But in, uh, in the year 67, Paul is in Rome in prison. Priscilla and Aquila are still in Ephesus. But everything seems to be falling apart. Uh, Christians are starting to disassociate themselves from Paul. Paul is kind of seen as the, the, the head or the leader of the movement. And so they feel like if we can just distance ourselves from Paul and reject him, maybe the persecution will, will ease up on us. And various false teachings are all over the place. Uh, close friends are leaving Paul and disowning him. And uh, Paul's worried about the future. Uh, he, he writes 2 Timothy. This is a much more personal letter than 1 Timothy. He's passing the torch. His idea is, I'm never getting out of prison. I'm almost gone. And I need to give a final exhortation to Timothy, my disciple, to just carry on what I've done. So from prison in Rome in the year 67, Paul encourages Timothy to keep up the work and train, continue to train workers uh, to, to multiply the ministry. Peter also knows that his time on earth is coming to an end, and he writes one last letter to the Jewish Christians. And this is 2 Peter. Year is 67. Peter is in Rome uh, to the Jewish with the churches with Jewish populations, and he gives them warnings and encouragements, and he for, informs that it, him, them that his time is coming to an end. And uh that, that his time is coming to an end. Sorry, I lost my track here. And he commends Paul's letters to them. He's still trying to bridge the gap that, that started way back in Jerusalem and Antioch and say, just, just be unified together. Uh, Paul's writings are, are valuable. Uh, don't reject him. And, uh, and then it happens, according to church tradition, on June 29th, the year 67, Paul and Peter are put to death for their faith. They are martyred. And uh, that's the end of that. Around the same time, uh, Andrew, the brother of Peter, another disciple of Jesus Christ, is crucified together with Luke, the doctor. Um, John Mark brings the gospel uh to Alexandria in Egypt. Remember John Mark who abandoned Paul on the first missionary journey and they kind of had a falling out and here he is carrying on the work. And when he's in Alexandria, a pagan mob uh, comes up around him and they, he's killed in the streets. 
um, Bartholomew. We haven't talked about Bartholomew at all, but but the fact is, history tells us that Bartholomew, another man who walked in Galilee beside Jesus, went all the way to India preaching the gospel, and he preached the gospel in Armenia and Arabia and Ethiopia. And uh, so he was crucified in the year 68. And finally, in the on June 9th of uh, on June 9th of 68, the people in Rome have finally had enough, and they get rid of Nero, and the persecutions kind of calm down again after three years of intense action. Uh, during the time of persecution, of course, stuff goes crazy. There's no leaders. The leaders are all taken off to prison. Uh, people can't communicate with each other, and, and a lot of things have come into the church. There's the issue of dreamers, as we've talked about. There's the issue of... Um, of hating the law is crept in where people are are uh, are saying that you shouldn't even read the Old Testament. Uh, there's there's the issue of gluttony at the Lord's table. People are grumbling with each other, and people are uh, oddly enough coming into the church, uh, pretending to be Christians in order to take advantage of the generosity of Christians and taking them for a ride. And so Jude writes a little letter to the dispersed Jewish Christians to encourage them to return to the original faith as all of these different things have crept in. And then in the year 70, uh, John is exiled to the island of Patmos in a labor camp, and he has a, a vision. Jesus visits him in a vision and gives him the book of Revelation. And Revelation uh, is difficult, has always been difficult to understand. I think part of the reason is because under severe persecution, people develop a code language. And so the Christians during this period of time were talking to each other about current affairs and things that were going on, but they were doing it in code, using Old Testament imagery to talk about current affairs so that their letters wouldn't get confiscated and their message wouldn't be, wouldn't be understood by other people, by outsiders. And so John's using a lot of this code language to talk to people in his letter. But a lot of it is also just Old Testament imagery, and we can learn and understand everything we need to know about what God is trying to get across to us in this book if we study it properly. And uh, so we'll pick that up uh, quite a while from now when we get to the book of Revelation. But uh, he writes this to the churches in Asia Minor, and it reveals both what God is doing in the world through Jesus Christ and the future purposes of God for eternity. Same year, there's the final siege on Jerusalem, and uh, the Romans put an end to everything, uh, everything there, and uh, and not there's not a lot to tell after that. Uh, John is released from the island of Patmos. He goes back to Ephesus and lives there until his natural death in the year 98, and uh, that ends kind of the the era of time under which we know as the New Testament period. There's a lot more story to tell, but it's not really part of, of our story that we're doing to give the context of the New Testament writings. Uh, I'm going to just have a couple of quick chapters yet to finish off the story, uh, but that's the end of the New Testament period.